Oh my god, what the hell am I doing up at this hour? Absolutely nothing. Sleep. What is it good for? Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's good for a lot. That's right. That's right. I have been one lazy some bitch this vacation. That is yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's just like when you work. Oh. Yeah, I harsh. went there. You sound you like my missus. <laughs> I always like the missus. <laughs> she likes you. Well, it just she married you, so we can't there's speak no for account- her taste. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say there's no accounting for taste around here. Anyways, uh, we gonna spotlight some Avengers? Yeah, yeah let's do that. Just looking to see where to insert this flashback. I hate it. Why don't they just incorporate it into the story? Oh shit! That reminds me. I gotta pull up the. Um... Whoa, 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 man! It's a family, <laughs> it's a family show. Pull up! Pull up! <laughs> Never mind. At speed, you'd be able to pull out in time. Oh. <laughs> well, he detonated like on the surface. Canyon back home. So that's what they're calling that. Just like Buggers Canyon. I mean, uh... Oh. Okay. Hello, and welcome... Ah! What? Oh. <laughs> Frightening. Take two. <laughs> you can just keep going. Hello, and welcome to another Hi, episode... Bill. Take three. Hello and welcome to another. (laughs) (laughs) Take four. Take, I don't know, four or five, I don't know at this point. Uh, uh, uh. Avengers Spotlight! Welcome to another exciting, fun-filled, fact-lacking <laughs> episode of Avengers Spotlight. We are here today to discuss the Avengers, because, well, that's the name of the show. So I guess I've uh, gone on for no apparent reason. Oh, today we're covering Avengers number 142, and with me, as always, well, at least... Uh, one of us is here always. Ooh. Oh, is that how we're going to play this? <laughs> he did it. He said it. Ooh, he He's owning it. it. It's Paul and I Scott. I could not be Bill. here. I'm here. Yeah, we, we got Scott up early. Early. You did. Got me up early. 
and then you're going to insult me. I see how it is. Of course. Uh, <laughs> well, we're going to get up, get you up early to not insult you. Then we'll, we'll, well, we yeah. have nothing to say. <laughs> exactly. I guess it wouldn't be you guys if, yeah. Yep. How's it going, fellas? Oh, good, good. How's everybody? Good. It's, Doing real good. It's going good here. I am uh, winding down a nine-day vacation, which has been very nice. It's been a uh, a staycation, and it's been good because I haven't done really jack shit, so it's, it's been all right. Oh, I'm sure. The, I'm sure hmm? your news feed was swamped with uh, Tropical Storm Alberto. Oh my god! Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Rain! We have, a, we have Rain! another one coming in. Yeah. Well, there's one right off the coast that went up. I mean, you know, that to be lax of days ago, but. These news people, I mean, cry wolf, you know, the sky is falling. The sky is, it's, it's ridiculous with, with, with these, um, right. I mean, and you're further inland than me. Right. So, but I bet they, it's still just as ramped up for you. Right. Ah, I mean, it may be, but I've, I've largely been in like a, almost like a media blackout while I've been on vacation. Cause I, I, turn the phone off and i haven't really paid a whole a whole hell of a lot of attention to social media or anything i just i, just, I really tried to just do this as a just you know just kind of chill out type of vacation i haven't really right. taken one like this in a long long time where it was just i'm gonna do what i want to do and what i mostly want to do is just lay around and read funny books so that's really you know that's that's been the bulk of it i gotta be honest so it's been nice Got caught up on uh, got caught up on some reading and yeah that was the bulk of it but yeah I mean when whenever these things happen I'm always like you know I, I hope that they hold these news agencies and things accountable should we ever get like the storm that they keep promise promising us and and a lot of you know there ends up being a lot of injury or, or even death because of the 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 state I think they create. You know, I've seen these memes going around where, and you, you know, these posts going around social media complaining about how Floridians are very lackadaisical about hurricanes and, and these storms that keep blowing through and everything. Well, I think that happens because I, I think the media kind of creates that. I mean, I've only lived here eight years. You know, I've only been through two big storms, you know, since I've lived here. And both of those storms, the the media coverage of them, I think, has set us up that it's like cry wolf syndrome. Oh, my God, the end of the world is coming. Everybody's going to die. And they just that's all that plays is, you know, for 24 hours, you know, the entire time that this thing is happening. And then it's a non-event. Nothing really happens. And they've done that two times in a row. Well, what if the third one really is? this ass kicking storm that they're that they've said it was going to be with the prior two. And then because they've set you up now twice in a row that it's going to be horrible. And then it isn't, you don't really, you're just kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, I've already lived through these other ones. And then it is really the, the bad one. And, and people really do die. Don't, doesn't the, the news agency have to take a bit of that responsibility for that? I don't, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm curious what you think. Cause you've lived here a heck of a lot longer than I have. What, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I've, 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 uh, were you here the, uh, you probably weren't here the year we had four storms that crossed the state. Mm, no, I don't think so. Um, what, what year was that? Actually, I think that would have, yeah, no, no, you weren't here. I want to say that was like back in 2004 or five. Yeah. I didn't move here till 10. So, so yeah, we, 
we had <clears throat> name storms, and they all crisscrossed the state. That was, the, I think it was Charlie that went through down um, down by Fort Myers, and um, that one that one was pr- pretty bad. And that one was forecast if if it hadn't wobbled, it would have smashed. You know, it was going and right to Tampa. The last minute, it took a wobble and it went down south and it went across the state. Um, I don't know what type of damage it did to or to um, up by you. Right. But, uh, and then there was then like another one that came over from the other side of the state. And so we got hammered that 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 year. I mean, but there still wasn't a lot of heavy damage in my area. But I saw the damage that could be done by a storm because I had to go down and help the other branch that I worked worked for uh, back then. Um, so, I mean, they are they should be t- taken seriously. But even back then, I don't remember this insane amount of news coverage. It's that, I mean, they're like, you know, be prepared, it's coming. But now it's like any little thing, you know, we got a little, th- we got a disturbance, you know, don't, we don't want to worry people, you know, we, we don't know where it's going to go, but you need to, you know, I mean, yes, you should be prepared. I, we're prepared. We have plenty of water because you, I think the thing is, is that they don't want people to wait until the last minute, which is what happens. Because you and I talked last year when you were looking for stuff at Home Depot, right? You right. were out looking, you know, and and I was actually looking too, and I kind of got caught unprepared and dodged a bullet because it had been quite a few years since a ma- major storm had come through. So, I mean, we're a little bit better prepared this year than we were last time. So, but still, it's just so. I mean, this is this is more of a rain event, and my wife is even buying it, buying into the hype. She's like, they wouldn't go to the movies because they were worried about the rain. I'm like, that's why you go to the movies, <laughs> <laughs> okay? I'm like, Ben and I are going to the movies. Why don't you guys go? To- well, we don't want mom to have to drive over here through the rain, you know, because it's pretty bad. It floods in her neighborhood. Well, what a better reason to get her out? <laughs> Maybe she should come over now, right? If you're that worried about it. So it's yeah, it's. I'm not saying blow it off, but it's like you know, I can look at the weather just as well as anybody else. These guys don't. They have predictions. They have the cone of death where these things are going to go. Well, that's what I call it, the cone of death. You know, and you just watch that. You plan the best you can, ride it out, and figure it out when it's gone. Yeah, but I mean, I think that there's a difference between responsible reporting and working they're people never, into. They're never going to admit any any you know. That's never going to happen. That they're going to take responsibility for making people you know because that's what their whole thing is. Well, well, no, no, we've been telling you you need to take this seriously. Yeah, you also been just berating me. That's why I don't watch the news a lot either. <laughs> But I, I th- and I think it's all about the ratings. I think it's you know uh-huh. if, if we make yeah. it into a bigger deal than it is, people are going to tune into the weather channel or the local news channel or whatever it is. And if it turns out to be not a big deal, well then it'll blow over and who cares? I yeah. think that's their attitude about it. And and I it really does bother me because people you know I see it up here. We don't get the tropical storms, but I see up here you know every time uh, you know there's there's a prediction of anything more than a drizzle. They, they build it up into a nor'easter. And it's like, please, just stop already. Everybody's getting into a panic. Everybody's starting to, oh, we can't do this this weekend. We can't do that this weekend. You know, it, it's ridiculous. 
and, and it really does bother me because I think it's irresponsible, and I think I think people do run the risk of, of having problems and getting hurt or whatever when they when they get people into a panic that they shouldn't be in. Right. So I'm with you, Scott. I think it's very irresponsible. It, it really does bother me. Yeah. And I'm with you, Bill, because you kind of think the same thing. I don't mean to make it sound like you're, uh, you know. The, yeah. No. 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 It's just it's it's just ridiculous. I mean, I, it's just it's it, it's hype. It's ratings. Just like you said, you know. It's, you know, uh, my wife actually went and bought, I got like five to six cases of water in my house right now. And she's like, she's like, well, and she, she has a point. When we went to go get water last year, we were kind of caught with our pants down. It's like, yeah. all right, all right. We didn't want, yeah, exactly. So now. <laughs> what were you doing in the middle of the storm? Shh. Yeah. I was up on the roof going, come on, I'm right here. Bring it. <laughs> with your pants down exactly right. yes like a like a you know like a flag <laughs> at a used car place <laughs> hey irma you can kiss my ass there you go. irma get in my just... ass <laughs> uh, tropical storm Al- alberto and we went to sam's for god's sakes we go by the water and the water, I mean, everybody, I, I don't want to say it's a panic. I, you know, I almost want to say it's a conspiracy to sell shit. But I, I know that's a bad thing well, to it's say. Just, it's, to sell, it's to sell ratings is what it is. Well, 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 and water and other supplies. And, oh, my God, you're going to buy. I, man, when those storms came through, when those four storms, crack, I had wood up on my windows. See, no, no. Notice the pause I had there. I had wood up. And then I had that, that flipping wood sitting in my shed for like seven years and 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 actually it's some of it started to rot out and everything so i got rid of it and it cost me a lot of money to buy all that wood and i never replaced it and then this last storm came came through and i had no wood (laughs) so (laughs) that's how you got caught with your pants down (laughs) that's how i got caught with my pants down so you know you know because i had nothing to cover my windows so uh, luckily, no, no, nothing. I did not get any damage to my windows except the damage I caused trying to screw a window shut. But anyway, <laughs> I, it's just. I think it's sometimes I think it's a scam just to make you go buy plywood. And, you know, I'm not saying they're creating the storms. That's getting a little crazy. But it's almost like it's hyped up just to you know, ugh, whatever. They open up sandbag things too. So, you know, it, it's with these storms, it almost seems like maybe like the God of Thunder is angry. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and isn't he in the Avengers, which is I, actually what we're here. You know, if well, any, you know, anybody who doesn't realize it, just because that was so smooth, that's called a segue. <laughs> yes. And you are the king of the segways. I've Subtle, seen you baby. on one. So, going around no, your going around your neighborhood. No, you haven't. If you saw me in the Segway, you'd probably see me on my ass. Balsataro, <laughs> mall cop. Yeah, I'm kind of afraid of those things. <laughs> I'm just, I just figure, you know, I, I'll, I'll get on it. I'll, Would you want to be I'll on the, one of the big ones? Feet and I'll fall. One of the big ones, or like one of the little ones that you just put your feet on. It's just, just your feet. I, I have to, I have to say, I think if I got on one of the little ones, it'll just snap in half. <laughs> So I, I would, it would have to be one of the big ones. Plus, I, I honestly don't think I, I, I can almost guarantee you, if I got one on one of the little ones and it was strong enough to support me, I'd still fall off it at some point. So I, I think I need the big ones so that I'd have something to hang on to. 
Uh-oh, this just did What? What is that? Does that scare you? Because that's what I think of when I hear Alberto. <laughs> I'm just saying, okay? Storm's coming. Hey, how you doing? It's me, Storm Alberto. I'm not quite Spanish enough on that. But anyway, Avengers. We got easy. I'm, I'm trying to bring us to the Avengers, and he's trying to bring us back to stupid Storm Alberto. Alberto, Avengers. <laughs> it takes time to Google these things. Yeah. So, Avengers 142, huh? Eh, how yeah. about that? I like this book. So why don't we get a why don't we get a synopsis? Of this? A synopsis, yes. I will give us a synopsis, a synopsis for Avengers one forty two. Which and, and you know, not- Scott, isn't it a great thing that these that these synopsises? I know you're anti pre can synopsis, but isn't it great when Bill does one? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> why? Why is it great when I do them? Because you do them. Because so they're not well. four hours long. Because you, you do them so well. Shh. <laughs> I think you guys are making fun of me. If I didn't they know actually better. make a certain amount of sense. Hey, my synopsis makes sense. To you. Yes. To me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're talking about Avengers 142, which has a cover date of December 19... Well, well it just says December. It doesn't have a year. Uh, but it was 1975, which uh, I don't have Mike's Amazing World in front of me, so I'm not sure exactly when this would have come out. It would have probably been... Uh, September or October. Yeah. Sounds right. And it is Go West, Young Gods. And the credits uh, was written by Steve Englehart, George Perez is the pencils, Vinnie Coletta the inks, Tom Orzakowski the letters, Janice Cohen the colors, Marvel from the editor, and Gil Kane did our cover. Um, and f- apparently Frank Gio- Giacoya and John Ramada did a little bit of the uh, inks as well on the cover. Maybe John Ramita might have helped too. Did I say John Ramita? <laughs> you said John Ramada. Ramita, Ramada, let's call the whole thing. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Hassan Pepper Incorporated. Some, <laughs> something I read said that uh, Ramita did, um, what's Iron her name? Moon, Moon Dragon's face. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. If you put yeah. a red wig on her, she looked like Mary Jane. No. Kinda. Yeah. What do you mean, no? <laughs> I mean, no. Sure. I don't think sure so. Could. I disagree. Uh, I, I, look at that eye. That's not Mary Jane's eye, please. Maybe she's really pissed off. Yeah. It's it's off she's, all, she's all squinky. Gonna, who's got a squinky <laughs> eye? So, I mean, well, I guess since you've mentioned the cover. The well, cover you mentioned should... the cover. <laughs> oh, my well, Lord. you're the one that mentioned the, the, the who drew, the, well, whatever. I, was <laughs> I corrected about your the... pronunciation. Somehow that brings us to I mentioned the cover. So, on the cover. We have four men on horseback, which are anybody? Anybody like to name them? Yeah, Rawhide Kid, Kid Colt, yep. the Night Night Rider slash Ghost Rider, depending on what era, and slash two, Phantom Rider, and the Two Gun Kid. Yes, and they are getting ready to mow down the Avengers in the street as Hawkeye is lifting his bow and arrow. Thor is ready to chuck his hammer. Uh, Moon Dragon is giving them a squinky. Eye and Iron Man's like huh? Iron Man's got an <laughs> got an angry mask on. He's got an angry mask on with gritted teeth and a nose. With lips. Look, he's got a bottom <laughs> lip on his mask. He's got a big chin Prepare. too. He's Prepare to ch- meet Mister Angry Mask. <laughs> <laughs> no, Marvelite, your eyes aren't deceiving you. It is. It really is the Avengers versus the wild Western heroes of the wildest Western heroes of all. And I believe that is that Batlash. No, not Batlash. That's DC, dummy. <laughs> who, 
Who is that that's talking, saying, come on, partners, shoot him down? That's the two-gun kid. That is two-gun. Oh, why, why would he say shoot him down? I mean, they're... Well, it, it could be, be his like, horse that's saying uh, it from the way the word bubble is. <laughs> <laughs> come on, partners. <laughs> he could be riding Mr. Ed. Whoa. Oh, I got, I got a thumb. I can't shoot a gun. <laughs> well, this is an era. This is an era where they had word bubbles on a lot of covers, and they're really unnecessary. Mm-hmm. More yeah. often than not, they're unnecessary. Yeah, and it uh, says, "Face it, friend, this story you dare not miss." Now, in the actual book itself, there is one additional Western character that's not featured on the cover here, and that's the Ringo Kid. Uh, for some reason, he didn't he didn't make the cover. He doesn't really. I mean, he's in the story, but he doesn't really contribute a heck of a lot in the story either. I just thought it was interesting to point out that uh, that he's not not on the cover. Well, he came well, along like, later because George, right. John, and Paul were already around. <laughs> you beat me to right. <laughs> beat me to a Beatles <laughs> joke. I was gonna try to type up real quick to see who Ringo Ringo replaced, and I because I could, couldn't remember off the top of my head. Pete Best. Pete Best. I, I was gonna say yep. James Best, but I, I was like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> he replaced the best kid. We'll learn more about these guys when, as we as we go along here. <laughs> I did some homework for this episode. Oh, oh God! I mean, yeah, good <laughs> to uh, augment our Alberto coverage. <laughs> yes, people are like, I'm. I'm sorry, people. That we went on for like you know ten minutes about a storm that by now, the time you hear this, it'll be long gone. But you know, sorry, that's just us. So, how about we talk about the synopsis? How about you do? Okay. Go West, Young Gods. <clears throat> Newly arrived in 1873, Immortus, Thor, and Moondragon are warily confronted by five of the era's most notorious heroic gunslingers. But hostilities are averted when Two Gun Kid mentions Hawkeye. The cowboys take their new allies to Tombstone and have a pizza. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> And sneak into... Oh, wait. See, I did a joke and screwed myself up. <clears throat> New allies of Tombstone and sneak into town to Matt Hawk's law offices where Hawkeye awaits. He explains how he arrived there, which at this point I'm going to pause and read the flashback that explains that. Hawkeye used Dr. Doom's time machine in an attempt to reach the 12th century, but encounters Kang... In the time stream. Can I I stop you right there? Because that that was one question I had about this was, okay, um, so as Hawkeye recounts it here, he says, uh, I was honked when I, uh, which is an odd, yeah, that's what he says, I was honked, which I take to mean pissed off. It's like comic book lingo for pissed off, I guess. I was honked when I stalked out of Avengers Mansion, and I didn't cool down any, uh, any while I flew to Doctor Doom's castle setting the time machine dials for the 12th century, and then he talks about how he got diverted to the 19th century. My question is, why was he headed to the 12th century anyway? I didn't remember that part. Hmm. When did, uh, like, Robin Hood supposedly live? Would that be the 12th century? Oh. Uh, That's possible. I think Crusades. that matches up. I mean, I'm just wondering why why specifically to the 12th century. I just... I. That's I missed something somewhere. I don't I don't have a specific memory anymore of exactly when that was that he well why he went back, but it was something searching for Kang, I think. Well you lived back there, Paul, so oh (laughs) I was too busy doing the crusades to worry about anything else. (laughs) I I thought you were the sheriff of Nottingham. 
Welcome to Sherwood. <laughs> Yikes! In a way. I caught I caught Bill eating one of the uh, king's deer and strung him up. <laughs> Maybe I was more like Porky Pig, Friar Tuck. Ah, you shouldn't ought to have said that because here he is now. <laughs> anyway, okay, so. Back to the flashback. So he attempts to reach the 12th century, but encounters Kang in the time stream. Their battle sends them uh, sends them both off course, and Hawkeye finds himself outside 19th century tombstone, whose skyline is dominated by Kang's futuristic citadel. A fan of the era, Hawkeye seeks out Matt Hawk, knowing that Hawk is secretly the two-gun kid. Okay. Back to the... Okay. Okay, Hawkeye explains how he arrived there, which we just covered, and that Kang has taken over the town. Amortis tells them Kang's new plan is to conquer the 20th century by taking over the 19th, thus preventing the Avengers from ever existing. Meanwhile, in the 20th century, Hugh Jones... Didn't he used to be on CNN or something? Thanks, thanks, Paul. That's the one I was looking for. (laughs) What did you say, Paul? Scott said something. A huge name just sounds familiar from like I don't know from like CNN like the financial thing or something I don't know it just mm, I don't think maybe I'm thinking of Dow Jones I think I, I think no I think it's you but I think the last name you're thinking of is Jess <laughs> 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 that that took me a second <laughs> Hugh Jess gloats over the imprisoned Avengers. <laughs> But after he leaves, Captain America tells the others, he's got a huge ass. Uh, He he has a plan. (laughs) In the past, Hawkeye tells the others that he suspects Kang's men will rob the Pecos train, which which carries uranium ore from a nearby mine. Really? They mined uranium back then? I don't know about that. Maybe maybe it was a time travel thing with the uranium. Well, you know what you got to be careful of with uranium? You gotta be. <laughs> you gotta. You gotta be careful of the uranium by Uranus with your UJS. No, you gotta be careful of the radiation. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Especially if you get any inhumans nearby. Uh, All right. Now that we've said a, thing, a bunch of things that aren't, aren't going to make anybody but us laugh, let's go forward. Yeah. Ah, with his conspicuous 20th century allies disguised. <laughs> And in reserve aboard the train, uh, Hawkeye and his cowboy friends capture bandits working working for Kang as they try to rob the train, and Hawkeye begins interrogating them in preparation for an attack on Kang's citadel. Note, this issue marks the first... And this will get into your stuff, Scott, I'm sure. Uh, this issue marks the first time Marvel's Western heroes cross over with Marvel's superhero characters, confirming them as being... Part of the same timeline, previous known as Ghost Rider, the Western hero Knight Rider was renamed to avoid confusion with the new Ghost Rider, demon possessing a uh, possessed bike rider Johnny Blaze. He will later be renamed again to his mo- most frequent title, Phantom Rider. Yep. All right. So, let's dig into the book. We've already discussed the cover a little bit. Yeah. So, you want to bring us through? You want me to bring you through? Uh, you're a good bringer through her. Good bringer thrower. Okay, so we open up with a, I think, a really cool splash page, and uh, yeah, except for some reason, Kid Colt looks like he's uh, he's disinterested in what's going on. <laughs> he's you looking know, at his phone. He's yeah, he's he's checking <laughs> to see if he has an email. 
The splash, the splash page, the splash page has the Western heroes facing the reader, except for Kid Colt who's looking at his phone. And uh, then in the foreground we have Immortus and Thor and uh, Moondragon from behind. So we're getting their essentially their perspective or the perspective just behind them looking at these guys. And uh, <laughs> roll, sorry, huh? I just noticed. I guess that's is that the Ringo kid who's riding on the Phantom Riders uh, horse's ass. Yeah. Yes. There's just no horse drawn there. There's just a cowboy peeking over the bedroll in the background. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I right. guess the, the perspective is actually okay that his horse is blocked yeah. by the uh, other ones. Obscured, yeah. So, uh, Rawhide Kid says, Hands up, Owl Hoots. This is the Rawhide Kid talking at you. So we have a little bit of Old West bullshit talk with Owl Hoots, and then he's from Brooklyn. This is at you. <laughs> da 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 West Side Story was not in Brooklyn. It's Manhattan. <laughs> it was in New York. It's Manhattan. And uh, the Ghost Riders, or the Knight Rider, or the Phantom Rider, or the Heat something Rider, says, Heed him, demons, or we shall destroy you where you stand. So I, I think that's, that's probably actually, you know, reasonable, because these guys have no idea who they're dealing with, and they just think, you know, we could take anybody. We're the toughest. You know, we, we're the shitzel. And, uh... Well, on that on that subject of, of you know not knowing who you're dealing with, I'm curious, um, you know, for for the for the superhero fans, for the Avengers fans, or, or kids that were just reading superhero comics, did they necessarily know who the Western characters were? Um, well, the Western books always... were still being produced at this time, but right. I'm pretty sure they were pretty much universally in reprints. I don't think they were actually making new stories, but they were putting out new books. Right. I, it's just one of those things I, you know, as, ascribing my own sensibilities to, you know, to other people. I, I always wonder, you know, did other people kind of kind of segregate their, their comic genres as well? Or, or do you think kids reading comics during this era, they would have known who all these characters are because they were reading everything? Well, having been a kid, kid who, I didn't read West comics having a, at all. Have, having been a kid who was reading this when it came out. I can tell you I was not an avid, avid Western reader, but I was familiar with who these characters were. Mm. I, I did read the occasional Western, and I think I had gotten an issue or two of the Ghost Riders old series out of a back issue bin, because I did have a comic store that I went to at the time that this was coming out. So, I, you know, I, was, I, was, I wasn't familiar with them that I had, like, read every story or anything like that, right. but I knew who they were, and... To be fair, in my at least in my memory now, the stories with them were so simplistic that you kind of knew exactly who they were if you read like two stories that they were in. Right. Yeah. They they were not difficult to kind of figure them out. Just just reading just this story arc right here kind of gives you what you need more or less, uh, at least for like say Rawhide, Tugun, and um, and Kid Cult, I think. The other two, are, they're there, but they don't really flesh them out. They don't really do anything of consequence in the story. Um, I've always really enjoyed this story a lot, but rereading this again, getting to this particular issue, and and in particular, this setup at the beginning where you know you have this, this cool splash, as you say, with the Western characters confronting um, you know, Thor, Moondragon, and Immortus, 
I, I was just so taken with this and trying to remember, you know, trying to figure out why do I love this so much? Why do I think this is so cool? And I think I finally hit upon something, whereas, you know, this reminds me strongly now of, of something that would come along much later in uh, George Perez's career. George Perez, of course, uh, would eventually be the artist on Crisis on Infinite Earths. And in Crisis on Infinite Earths number three, there is a scene very similar to this exact thing where you've got five of DC Comics legendary Western characters, Western heroes, all come together at one of the Monitor's uh, towers and are confronted by a mix of both DC superheroes and one supervillain. So it's it's very similar to this particular confrontation right here, where you had you know the 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 big name uh well, you know several of the big name Western characters you know most noticeably uh, like Jonah Hex uh, confronting it was like Cyborg Firebrand uh, um, the John Stewart Green Lantern and then a, a supervillain. So I don't I can't say that I know that it's a direct reference to this but it's so damn similar that it's really cool. You know, it's a it's a very similar type of uh of confrontation at first and then eventually uh, you know forming a a team of sorts to battle uh, a common enemy type of thing and I really like that sort of thing and it's really neat. And just looking at the the characters that they chose uh for the for the meet up in the crisis story i can't help but wonder if perez did some of that as maybe a sly reference back to this because one in particular that really strikes me is um in this story you've got ringo kid who as i said kind of sticks to the background doesn't really do anything of major consequence in the story uh, but just based on his color scheme one of the characters that was included in the dc one in the crisis one was um I think his name was Nighthawk, who, again, has a very similar color scheme, doesn't really do anything of consequence except when he tries to ride off and gets absorbed by the antimatter wall. So it's a very similar type setup in, in microcosm in the Crisis one. And, and like I said, I just I can't help but wonder if, if somehow Perez was, was looking back at this story or channeling this story or something like that in some of the visuals – uh, that he would do later in in that particular chapter of Crisis. I just think that's really cool. Yeah, that's all valid points, and I kind of agree with you on it. And I do think uh, <laughs> I do think that he was probably not necessarily almost like paying homage to himself. That's kind right, of how yeah, I exactly. see it. Yeah, that's what I mean. With, without yeah. it being like a huge ego thing, like yeah. I, I don't, you know, it's it's not obnoxious in the way it's done. I think it was, you know, just kind of right. I think it was well handled. I'm thinking of it more as being almost like a deja vu, like I, I've been here before, but on the other side, you know, on the other teams. Now let's play with this same thing in in kind of a fun way, you know, I'll, I'll, like as you say, homaging himself. And I, I think that's kind of cool. And, and like I said, I have no evidence that he was actually doing that, but it's just remarkable how how very similar the two uh, the two scenes play out. You know, uh, you know, being two different companies in, in the span of years and everything, uh, I think it's fun to imagine that that he was kind of maybe thinking back to, hey, I, I've been in this spot before. You know, I've, I've dealt with this type of situation yeah. before. Let's have some fun with that type of thing. Well, this, is, but, this is almost what, like a 10-year difference maybe between these two? Uh, probably about that, yes, yeah, right about that. Yeah. Yeah. 
75 to 85, 85. 86. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm thinking at the at the time that these characters were first introduced, you know, Two Gun Kid comes up with this costume. Yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put on this. I'm going to do this. Walks out and meets up with Kid Colt Outlaw, and they do a Lucy Ricardo Ethel Mertz thing over who's allowed to <laughs> who's allowed to wear the cow spot vest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I did some homework on these, and I have brief uh, bios on these characters. If if anybody's interested, are you, you interested? Would, I, I am. Do you, you, you want to give? About these do you want to just? give them as an interlude now or do you want to just kind of wait and as we get to each character you just give a background on yeah it? yeah that's fine we can do it that however you want to do it okay well however you think it's easiest you're the one who's going to be doing it okay so moving on uh <laughs> oh wait 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 before we leave that picture sure. go ahead um you think uh the drawing of ringo was a victim of vinnie coletta no yes. I, I i don't i don't i i because because his positioning is his positioning no matter what no matter how vinnie coletta is going to draw you know ink him so you know it would still be based on perez's pencils and where he placed him i don't think i don't think i don't think coletta moved him and where he's placed you couldn't really put much more detail than that i would wonder if maybe there was some detail in the back with the I orange sky there like had tre- to have been trees something, or something in the background that, that like coletta they could have put another bush there behind the other horse and I then think- you wouldn't see I think this page is pretty well inked, though. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I like the way I like, the horses look. I like your two-gun kid's horse where the horse is, like, looking down. I'm like, what the f*** are you guys? Or even even, <laughs> uh, even the, what's it called? I, I, I'm, never, I'm never sure which one to call him. Uh, are we calling him Knight Rider? Uh, we'll In this him... issue, he's the Knight Rider. Okay, we'll try and remember. I'll try and remember that because there's the three different names in, in my head. I keep going back and forth. I like the way his horse is kind of almost, I mean, it's, he, they have him drawn, like, on a slope, but it's also like he's almost kind of rearing up, mm-hmm. except his Right. Rear left leg looks to be a little too thin to hold his weight. I know horses' legs do get thin, but that one looks like it got too thin too fast. <laughs> he looks like he should be lame. And I don't know that much about horses, so I could be wrong about that. That could be totally anatomically correct, but it doesn't look right to me. Right. So, but uh, you know, but overall, I think this is a you know, I think this is a really good page. I think every, everything's inked well. I mean, even, even Thor's hair, like he's got almost individual hairs inked. And then, and then the wings on the helmet. Yeah. You know, like, I, I think really Coletta spent some time on this one. Now, like I said, he may have erased a bush or a tree in the background, but I think overall he he did a pretty good job and spent time on this one. There's also, you know, if, if you want to go to the, the Vinnie Coletta-isms, there may have been some detail in this rock formation that he just blacked out. Mm. That's, I mean, those are the kind of things you see when you compare pencils to what he, you know, what his final product is. And usually it's something that you wouldn't notice. It, it, you know, the disappointment with Coletta's inking very often isn't that the pay, final page looks bad. It's that when you see the penciled page, you see how much better it could have looked. I wonder if the pencil pages of this chapter uh, of this saga still exist, because I would love to see. I would love to see not only the pencils of this. I'd like to see it re-inked. I'd like to see it, you know, done. Because I, I think this is a phenomenal issue. I really do. You know, just kind of. You know, spoiling ahead to our review of it, I, I think the art in this is fantastic, but the shortcomings of it, I put fully on um, Coletta because he. I don't think he's doing his usual hatchet job in this one, but there are some instances where I think it's pretty clear that he took some some serious shortcuts. Yeah. Not not a lot of his usual, you know, just blacking stuff out, but there's still a lot of instances where I'm sure that there was more detail than what wound up on the on the 
finished page, but I, I don't think it's near as bad as last issue where it, I, I really had the feeling that, you know, it, that he was just rushing. This one has, you know, some images no, he was that, Italian. Are, <laughs> that are really nice and, and really fleshed out very well. So I, I think, you know, this particular issue is a, is a good illustration of this is probably about the best you were ever going to get out of Vinnie Coletta type of thing. That could well be. So if we move on to page two, we have a shot at the top of Immortus Thor and Egghead. Uh, <laughs> and they're, they're wondering who they're dealing with. Uh, and, and I say that because Moondragon's head looks very just very egg, egg-like to me, the shape of it. I'm sorry. It's got a huge head. <laughs> no. so, and and uh, so, Immortus uh, is pretty buff there, too. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a, he's got a, <laughs> looks like he's got his guns out. So, you know, he, he tells them who they're dealing with. Thor starts swinging the hammer and sets off a, a rainstorm and some lightning because he detestest firearms. <laughs> Standeth the Norse god of thunder who doth detestest firearms. So what so, does he do? He hits him with lightning. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's it's like, uh, okay, so you have the, you know, when Immortus is saying who we have, we have the two-gun kid, kid Colt, uh, Excuse me, Rohai Kid, Two Curtain Kid, Kid Colt, and Knight Rider. Oh yeah, in the back is Re- is Ringo Kid. <laughs> <laughs> like Perez didn't even draw him in that shot where they're where, where they're saying who everybody is. Right. Which I I don't know. Is it possible? Here's a thought. Is it possible that they left Ringo Kid off the original splash page and that he was added later? Mm. That is possible. Because like I said, the positioning to him. Of him doesn't make it look likely that that Coletta did a hatchet job on him, but he could be an afterthought. Oh shit, we forgot the Ringo kid, and, and somebody and, forgot and to tell Gill and put him on the cover. They may not have included him at all, and he may have been added in later because, like you said, he's he's got very little to do in this. And on the next page, when we turn to it, and he's saying, "Rawhide, these these rannies ain't no ordinary owl hoots." That could have been one of the other characters, and they just changed it into Ringo Kid. He he may not have been in this issue. He's not on the cover. He looks like he's an afterthought in on that splash page. He's he's not mentioned in in the shot where they're introducing who the characters are. And then here, you know, like I said, this that could have been Kid Colt, and they changed it to Ringo Kid. It could be. I'm thinking more and more. It could like, be because it, it, that hadn't occurred to me till now, but I'm thinking that. Yeah, as I as I flip through the the you know back through the issues again or back through the issue again, I'm looking at the panels again. There are a number of them where it looks like he's kind of added in as an afterthought, but then toward the end of the story, he is fully part of the story. So I'm almost wondering it was it something where he he was forgotten up to a point. They were like, oh shit, we were supposed to have this sixth cowboy in there, so you know, so we have to add him in type of thing or. or um, or fit, I should say fifth cowboy, because I'm looking specifically at page 17 where you've got the shot of the the six people on horseback, but one of them, of course, is Hawkeye. So so they needed one more player. I'm wondering if, yeah, I don't know. There's Yeah, something something very possibly was screwy with the beginning of the story here, and they added him in. Yeah, I definitely think that's a possibility. So moving on with our story, uh, they... You know, they, they realize something's going on with the rain. They mention Hawkeye, and Thor says, oh, you know Hawkeye, I'm going to stop the rain. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he he lifts up the, the uh, two-gun kid and kind of tosses him 
or, or, or <laughs> I don't know. Does he put him on his horse? What does he do there? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell on that panel, but yeah, it's like he picks him up with one hand, and I, I'm thinking he plops him on his horse. And then uh, Moondragon gets onto Rawhide Kid's horse. Look how much bigger than him she is. Is that <laughs> is is that legitimate? Because I mean, Rawhide Kid, I'm sure, is not supposed to be a huge guy. But he's supposed to be a full-sized adult, even though he's called kid, which is just a weird well, thing. People were smaller kid. back then, though. People but were she's, smaller. She's huge. Well, what's the what's the gravity difference between Titan and and Earth? Maybe she's maybe she is freakishly um, tall or something. But she was born on Earth. Yeah, but she didn't grow up there, though. I don't I'm know. Looking up her stats. Oh, she's, she's, she's statuesque. Six, She's six feet tall, is what it says in so, her. So based on that picture, Rohide Kid is probably like five six. That could be about right. I'll do a search for him. What's okay. funny is I, when I, the first time I, I was reading this issue, I misread the his word balloon because she's sitting right behind him on the horse, and he says, "Listen, ma'am." Uh, he goes, "I ain't riding nowhere it's with a ball headed female up behind." I misread it as up my behind. <laughs> I was like. Because he's turning, just the way he's looking at her is like she's sitting too close to him or something. And where, where's her? Where's her? That where's that right hand going? Right. Is that a reach around? <laughs> What's she doing? She's going for his gun. <laughs> yeah, literally or figuratively. Excuse me. I'm misusing the word now, and nah, I hate she, that. She plays for the home team, though. Yeah. Didn't he? Uh, uh, don't don't no, even don't. No, that was that was there. a terrible miniseries. Don't. Or was that two guns? We are not going to talk about. No, that, that was Rawhide. That was Rawhide. Oh, okay. We are not talking about that. Well, I'm going to just. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to just say I, I found that to be very. I don't, I don't mind when they do things. You know, I, I don't get totally pissed off at social justice stuff. That was not a social justice stuff because gay people should be offended by the way he was portrayed. They were. Yeah, if you look up, uh, I think it was a cracked magazine article. Uh, on the five most unintentionally offensive characters, I think he's number one on the list for that miniseries. And so, how, but yeah, well, how, how, do, how do we see that. how do we see that as unintentional? And I'll, I'll let it go with that, please. I, I thought that was horrible what they did to him. Yeah, it was. It so was. They, they all decide to travel back to whatever it is town that they. Uh, I found he was five foot ten, so that doesn't seem. That's a two inch difference. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, that's that's but, it's just poor proportioning. I, I just think she's she's drawn way too big there. That's all. Not not a big deal. And then we go past some ads. We pass the Don Rickles soldier, soldier again, <laughs> and then we sneak into town to Matthew J. Hawk's office, attorney at law. Shh, be very quiet. Because he's a because he's clank. a good friend of Two Gun Kid. And when they get in there, Hawkeye's there, shirtless Hawkeye. And they uh, they have their their reunion with Moondragon, who's now normal height again, and Thor. And he co- he he's got one word: son of Odin. Son of Odin. Son of Odin. Son of Odin. <laughs> son of Odin. Sunovadin. 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 And then we cut to the flashback. Let's get Tom DJ's flashback sound effect here, I guess. Flashback time! And we see uh, Hawkeye riding through Yarn World. <laughs> I just thought it was Spaghetti World. Giant cats chasing him. <laughs> I don't know. How do you draw the time passage well, area of Limbo, I guess? 
Oh, well, I mean, it could be. You need, you know, you need like to have the, little little pieces of paper flying by with the with the years written on them. That's how they used to do it in Superboy comics. <laughs> that, well, worked, you, that I, I, I laughed, but that worked for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, or they could go smashing through giant stone representations of each year, like we had earlier. Right. <laughs> well, you could have you could have giant stone figures of the people, like in Star Trek: The Voyage Home. No. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, I, there's something about those old comics, though, where they would time travel like that and they would give you the numbers, you know, the years that were flying by. Looking at those now and so many of those years we have now lived through, I always get a kick out of that when I look at old comics that, that do that. And, you know, they're going to the far flung year of 1988, you know, and, and they're going you know, 1955, 67, you know, whatever, up through the years. I'm just going, yep, lived it, lived it, lived it, lived it, you know, that sort of thing. I just, I think that's funny. So maybe that's just me. No, I, I agree with you. I, it's, uh, it's actually kind of depressing sometimes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Because you figure Paul's been through a few more years than we have. Oh, oh poor Paul. Well, there was the time when I teamed up with the Kid Colt Outlaw and the Two-Gun Kid <laughs> and Rawhide Kid. They drew me in as an afterthought. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I find the whole concept a little fascinating, though, that like you, when you're on the time machine, you don't just go from one era to another. You actually have to travel. You know, there, there is a time period where you're actually traveling. You don't just you don't just instantly go to the other place, which is the way I always kind of pictured it when they used Dr. Doom's time machine in the past. Now, now he's traveling through Yarn World, Spaghetti World, whatever you want to call it. And while in that process, he runs into Kang, who's also traveling somewhere. You know, who knows what his motivations are at this moment. And they do battle during the trip, which I just think is, is I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a concept I really hadn't seen that I can remember at any time before this. Right. So I, I think that's just kind of an interesting thought. I think Englehart had, had a little something there, and it's something that probably probably was explored more later on but i don't remember it and i think if not it should have been and if not maybe they should do it now hey you're right because i thought that doom's time platform just worked like it would do a swipe across you you know from your feet on up and then you materialized in the era that you were headed for there wasn't this like limbo period while you were you were drifting you know what i mean yeah you listen to the song while you're traveling Right. <laughs> when the song's done, you're there. Yeah, it plays as Muzak while you uh, while you transition. Yeah, no, I think you're onto something. Uh, Hawkeye yeah, because Pete. I know Go there ahead. was a couple. Uh, one of the ones we cut covered for one of the score episodes, I think that where they, they kind of showed it that way. And then I know Vern would do it later with the FF. You know, with the multi-panel shots where it rises up, they stay in one place, and the background changes behind them. As it goes over them, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I see this as a, as a more sophisticated way of presenting it, and I don't, I don't know if he meant it to be more sophisticated or if he was just using it as a storytelling device. But either way, I, I think he was onto something. Like I said, and right. I, th I think you know, we talk about George Perez, and I think uh, again, I'm going to give away something. I think the art in this issue is beautiful, but I wonder if the older, more experienced George Perez would have drawn the background very different. I think he would have. I, th I think yeah. this, this is just, you know, uh, I, I don't know I don't know how to render this background, so I'm going to just do something just to make it look a little, you know, uh, surreal. 
But I think, right. I think he would have come up with something a little bit more sophisticated and a little bit more uh, trippy. Now, going strictly by Fantastic Four number five, which is the first time that uh, we see Doom's time platform used, it works the way we were talking about, where actually in this in this particular story, it doesn't sweep across their bodies. The three the three male members of the FF fade away while they're standing on the platform, and they materialize during Blackbeard's time, which is just friggin' ridiculous. But there there is no like transition period, so I don't know. My no prize for this is maybe this is something that Kang is is doing. Maybe Kang pulled Hawkeye there or something. Although that doesn't really match with the dialogue because. Uh, Hawkeye is saying that he was planning on being bored while he was traveling to the 12th century. So I don't know. Well, I'm I'm, think, I'm just taking it as in the past we haven't seen the whole process. That's all. Yeah, you know, that they, could they, be. It's, there's, there's more to it than what we've seen. And I think presenting time travel as a more complex action is a positive. Because when they make it just right. seem too easy you know, and too simple, it's like, well, why not just go back in time all the time? <laughs> you know? It just, it just it, I don't know. I don't like things like that being too simple. I, I, I like when it's it's complicated and, and we have more to worry about than just the butterfly effect. We even have to worry about if you're going to get to where you're going. Right. Yeah, that's the terrifying part of this is that just a little bit of fisticuffs between these two characters and suddenly they're thrown, what would this be, 600 years off course. Yeah, that's, that's kind of scary stuff. Yeah, I, I like that aspect of it. So... They get back to uh, the 1800s, and there's a strange citadel right next to the town. <laughs> now, does that citadel remind you of like one of those high school projector things where the the teacher would like, you know, would put a piece of paper on? The on the, yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. The overhead projector. Overhead projector. That was it. Yeah. Either that or just a, just a, a very complex copier. Right. <laughs> It's maybe a, a maybe a mimeograph machine. Ooh. Remember those that would come out with the purple ink and you'd sniff the ink? Yeah. Whoops, I've spoken too much. <laughs> Everybody who was around in that era sniffed. Oh, ink. those were great. I once had to go work in the office like to make copies and I'm just like, I'm surprised they didn't come out with a purple nose. I picture you as what's his name, Rob, Rob, whatever from Saturday Night Live, making copies. Jeez. Everybody that comes by, you do ah, the name. Another copy. Ah, oh, another copy. Oh. <laughs> so Hawkeye is uh, is is met up with by the farmers from Back to the Future who thinks he's a man from <laughs> Mars, and he he just runs away, which I guess is the the better thing to do for for several reasons. First of all, these are not necessarily bad people there's no reason for him to, to can change to the timeline second of all there is the danger of the butterfly effect so he's trying to not not interact with them any more than he needs to so he takes off he takes off his uh his, his shirt i don't know really, i don't know if that's the right word for what it his is he tunic. wears his tunic and why did uh, he just take his mask off why does he take his shirt off too that that seems to me like that would draw more attention, and you kind of see evidence of that in the panel where he's strolling into town because that couple is turning their heads to look at him. Well, don't, don't, know, don't you think they'd look should... at him if he had the tunic on as well? He's, he's wearing he's yes. wearing buccaneer boots and a purple shirt. I was going to say, and... if you want to be inconspicuous, tear off the cuffs of the buccaneer boots and ditch the bow and arrow. I mean, it's the Wild West, for God's sakes. You could well, also ditch I, I the that, uh, the but... guards on your wrists and well not on your wrists because it's normal for a, for a bow 
shooter to have a wrist guard, but not necessarily the bicep. Guard. I guess you could say he's a member of a Wild West show, but did they have Wild West shows in the Wild West? Yeah. Yeah, Wild <laughs> West shows, circuses. I was thinking, yeah. You know, he just strolls into town wearing his Hawkeye outfit minus the mask. They'd probably chalk it up that he was, you know, part of a traveling circus or, or some sort of showman or something. Which is maybe I, what I would they think. do just I don't the know. same. Yeah, I don't know. So he, I just, I, okay. I was trying to figure out specifically why he walks into to town essentially bare chested. That that just seemed odd to well, me. Maybe maybe because he's got a little bit of ego going on. Look at <laughs> these decks. Look at these guns. Everybody check me out. <laughs> that he didn't that he didn't want to draw too much attention. So we know he's drawing attention, but he's not drawing too much attention. So oh, yeah. he's going to go bare chested during an era where that was, you know. Not really a thing. I, I just I don't it's, know, it, it might have been more of a thing back then than it is now. And he's as pale as a sheet. <laughs> as pale right. as a ghost. <laughs> I, I do like the one one touch here though with the my American history taught me who I'd find there. And, right. and Two Gun Kid is all upset. What do you mean you know who I am? <laughs> and, I well, love what Rohan Kid's lives. very dismissive. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody gives a hang except in you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And then we, you know, they're all discussing what's going on and Kang's possible plans. Now, okay, now we're going to get to the third panel in the middle row here with Ringo Kid. If our theory is correct and he was added as an afterthought, is that somebody else who was changed into him or... Is this the point where they said, oh, we need another cowboy? Oh, I think it's Han Solo. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. It's it's really hard to say. Because this, this is the first really clear shot we're getting of Ringo in the whole story. No, no, we did have the one on page three where it shows a close-up of his face. But like I said, I think that easily could have been Kid Colt Outlaw. That, that, that's what I mean, is that this is, this is the first one that I'm, I'm looking at and going, okay, it's, it's a full-body shot, and unless somebody greatly manipulated the art to change him into Ringo, this, this is the first one where it looks like this is specifically supposed to be this character. Um, mm, I, think I, it, really... I, think, I think if that had been, say, Rohide Kid, I think you could easily have inked it to make it look like Ringo. Right. I don't so, know. It, you know, I'm not it's sure. It's hard to say. Yeah. And then the next panel is uh, Knight Rider making sweet, sweet love to his horse. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's an interesting shot, though, because you have uh, the Ringo Kid speaking, and the word balloons go on into the panel with with Knight Rider, and but we have a close up of Knight Rider with his hands on his horse's face, but Knight Rider isn't saying anything. That's because he's, he's shutting the horse it, up. He's, he's going, keeping, shut up. Yeah, he's shutting it up. Yeah, he's shutting it up. Kiss me, you beautiful horse. <laughs> <laughs> he really likes his horse. And the mortis, you know, says, I shall speak out once, and the knowledge will change nothing. It is his newest master plan to conquer the 20th <laughs> century. He will first conquer the 19th. Aha! Ah, but wait, go back one panel. Is Thor looking at uh, Moondragon's cleavage? Who isn't? Yep, he's sneaky. Yeah, <laughs> look he's at him. He is. It's like, do, do, do. You, you could draw a little, like a dotted line. Do, 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 she glan- then she, the next panel you don't see is that she glances over at Thor, and Thor's like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then she looks down at his package. Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> he's, well, he's they looking- did get it on at some point, didn't they? I don't know. But he's looking at her saying, she hath great cleavage, but huge baby face. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so <laughs> Hawkeye mentions that he has a cunning plan. And then we move on to the next page, which... Custer had a plan, too. <laughs> <laughs> I love this perspective shot on the, on page 14. That's yeah. great. Well, we, at it's this point, we, we cut to our current-day heroes, just in, captured by the Squadron Supreme, and they're caged together. Can you see what it says on the cage? Meanwhile... <laughs> dot, dot, dot. That's a strange name for a cage. Put him in meanwhile. What? <laughs> I, I, get, I get a kick out of... Uh, the egos on these guys, though. It's no use, Cap. I've tried every power this armor has, but I can't break us free. Oh, okay. Then we're all going to give up, because if you can't do it, nobody can. Like, maybe the Scarlet Witch's hex powers won't, will be useless, because you can't repulse your ray your way out of this. You know, they, they get over yourself there, nose man. <laughs> Dr. Spectrum's power prison formed a case even stronger than Iron Man. Uh, and you know what? If Tony Stark is as brilliant as he is... He's not going to just say, okay, I tried my repulse array. It didn't work. So, you know, we're, we're done, guys. He's going to keep trying to think of a way to get out of it. He's not going to, <laughs> we're gonna he's not going to give up. Yeah. He's turning into, into what's his name, from Aliens. <laughs> Why don't you put her in charge? <laughs> Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> All right. Accepting the fact that this is a really cool perspective shot, is this really the most effective way to do this? Because now... You've got to stand down there and crane your neck up at the people that you want to taunt. And it's so it looks like it's so far away that there's real potential that Cap and the others could be like, huh? What'd you say? <laughs> Plus, you're, you're imprisoning them all together where they have the ability to combine their strengths right, right. And, and maybe come up with a better way to free themselves. Even if you're just going to have Dr. Spectrum create a cage, wouldn't you put each of them in a separate one? Well, it looks like poor Buzz, Buzz Baxter, who's next to huge ass there <laughs> Huge on the splashes like snapped his neck trying to look up yeah. <laughs> and the squadron and supreme is just kind of looking like gloating look what we did look at this check it out <laughs> the avengers never should have trifled with rocks and oil now this this next page after that we, we go from a, a full page splash in the middle of the book to a page with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve panels they're all different yeah. sizes there's a lot going on, and I think it's all really well put together. There's room for the word bubbles. Uh, I would say, for the most part, it's pretty well inked, with the exception of the close-up of Iron Man's face. That looks like I don't know. That that's just Sad Iron that Man. looks that looks like it's out of like the 1960s Marvel cartoons. Yeah, it but looks everything like else looks good too. Yeah, a little bit. I particularly like the one of uh, of Hyperion. That one looks really good. Yes. It does. It looks like a buffed Riddler. That uh, it looks very strongly like uh, Ordway to me right there. Hmm. But yeah, I like that one. Yeah, the only panel here I really don't care for is the uh, up the nose shot of uh, of whatever this do- is. That huge ass? Huge ass? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I think that's Buzz. No, that's Baxter. Buzz. That's worse than that's worse than Gil Kane right there. That is right up that dude's nose. <laughs> well, what they're doing Jeez, is they're really highlighting. Don't need to see that. They're highlighting the problem that Bill just pointed out, and you know you could say, oh, strategically they put them up high so that you know if they do escape, they're all the way up high. But you got two of the people up there can fly. You got a uh, you know the Beast who being up there isn't going to bother at all, and Captain America same thing. The biggest thing is they're gonna you know somebody's gonna have to fly scarlet witch and patsy walker down but there's Eh, there's really no there's really no problem for them created by the fact that they're up high 
So there's, right. there's, there's, you know, there's no strategical reason why that would make sense. You want women's lib? Find your own way down. <laughs> Send all hate mail to Dr. Bill. Okay, moving on, we go back. Now, did you notice stuff? that both of these sections end the same way? Yes. Because you've got... Cunning plan. Yeah. Yep. thought that was cool. And we, we cut back to the Old West at that point. And, again, another really well-drawn thing, drawn page as they plan out their... Uh, their their scheme against Kang, but I'm just looking, like they mentioned the thing, and then Thor starts just screaming. Yeah, there shall be cards and quiet, justice. To quiet, quiet, you moron! Like, like, what are you, an idiot? <laughs> we got we got we got Knight Rider out there trying to keep the horse quiet, and you got to start screaming. <laughs> and they they have to they have to explain to him that he's a little little conspicuous. Buddy, buddy, Thor. So he says, you know, you you want for us to remain behind? Well, not exactly. Now, this is this is something that uh that I I know I thought in uh in the next page, which is I think really cool because it's got the six horse riders on the sides, the train in the middle, uh, or at the middle of the top rather, and then in the middle of the middle, you could see you know Thor dressed in a regular outfit with Moon Dragon and a baby bonnet. I mean, with a baby bonnet. Now, didn't you think that was Immortus in the next shot, next to them? With the monocle? Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, where is he? We don't know. Hmm. Or do but I thought that was him. Yeah, where is Immortus during this whole thing? That's a good point. Yeah, because monocle dude is not Immortus. No, he's not, but I thought it was. I, You know, I just assumed, okay, you know, the last shot we see on the page before is Moondragon, Thor, and Immortus, and they're talking about how they're conspicuous and that, you know, you have to do something about it. You know, oh, wait, let me check the behind the scenes. Oh, I guess apparently Immortus would not remove his hat to go into disguise. So. <laughs> or shave his, his goatee. <laughs> So, but I, I, like I said, when I first read this, I remember I, I just assumed that was Immortus there, but nope, I was wrong. So, and then then we see the uh, what the, the bandits guy? coming up on them. What were you gonna say, Scott? I had to. I'm sorry, I had I had to cheat and look ahead to see when is the next time that we see Immortus, and we don't see Immortus again until the very last page of the next issue. So between between where we just were in this story and the last page of the next issue, he just like, just pisses off. Uh, he well, was doing Sudoku somewhere. <laughs> you, you, I mean, I, mean, I think you gotta, a, you gotta consider the fact that, that Immortus really isn't a hero. You know, he's, he's along for the right, ride. He's but, trying to steer them because he's, I guess you'd say seen the error of his ways and he's kind of anti Kang, but he's not, you know, he, he's more complex than just, okay, now he's a good guy. But it just seems strange to me that it's not even commented on that apparently he just, like, zaps himself away. He just leaves. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I mean, he does. He has the power to just travel through time on his own without machinery or anything, right? He can just, like, will himself through time? I don't know if he can will himself right? or if he has some sort of circuitry with him or something. I, I don't know how he does it, honestly. Well, but, I mean, he's supposed to be, like, a master of time, so... Yeah, I he was like, well, let me see how this turns out. I'll be back. Oh, yeah, right, no, but I mean, you guys going to change your mind. Isn't that weird that nobody nobody comments on, you know, the, the fact that he just disappears? I mean, it, it, I don't know. It's weird because I never even caught that. Until you pointed it out, I never even caught the fact that well, he just kind of ducked out, you know? Wouldn't it make sense, though? Again, Immortus is not a hero. It's, right. He's doing this because it serves his purposes. 
wouldn't it make sense that he sets the wheels in motion for these people to do his bidding, and then he just says, mm, take care of it for you, see you later. Take care of it for me, see you later. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that, except the fact that nobody ever comments on it. You would think that somebody would be like, oh, that bastard Immortus, you know, he sets all this up, and then he just ducks out leaving us to do his, you know, something like that. There's nothing. That That's kind of strange. I, I never caught that till now. But he does. That, that shot of him and the last panel on 16 is the last we get of him until the resolution of the story in the next issue. That's pretty weird. What's interesting, though, Bill, you know, Bill mentioned this headdress. If he takes off that headdress, his head underneath is exactly the shape of it. <laughs> it's a cover for his hair. Now, I love this shot on page 17. It's I, I don't know what, how you would describe this, because it's not a splash page per se, but it kind of is. I don't know. It's, it's really cool. I, I well, like, it's it's I setting like up the whole, up. the whole, not the whole story, but the whole robbery scenario. Right. Uh, and, and their plan. It's, it's setting it all up just in one page. And yeah, right. it, it, shot it in a feels, heist movie showing everybody getting set up. It feels cinematic, because I could see this in a movie yeah. where, where we cut from one of these shots to another shot to another one to another one. You know, you show the train, then you show each of the six horsemen, then you show the train again, then you show a close-up of the people inside the train, then you show the train again, and then you show the uh, bandits starting to line up and get ready to go, and then maybe you cut back to the horsemen again. Yeah. You know, I, I could easily see that. You hear a little John Williams music in the background. <laughs> you, yeah. You, you know, that, that could be done very well, I think. Now... The next page, we have the bandits. They show them close up. Uh, and you have him looking through... Well, you have Hawkeye looking through uh, binoculars. Actually, you have one of the bandits and Hawkeye both looking through binoculars. But when they show what, what they see through the binoculars, it's kind of just silhouettes in the dark. The, the bandits see the train, and then Hawkeye sees the bandits heading towards the train. Uh, could that be of any Coletta special, that it's just silhouettes? Very likely. I don't know. It's 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 hard to say. What threw me at first was the first binocular silhouette that you that you see has words in that panel. On one side of the binocular image, you have the yeah. word mix, and on the other side, you have well. And that really threw me. I'm like, what what the hell are we seeing there? And I was wondering. Was this a note to the inker or something, or the colorist? And then, I, as I flip back and, and reread the copy on the page before, you know, the the what do you call it, the meanwhile boxes or whatever. I, I guess it's saying put all these people together and then mix well, but it, it still looks really odd. It it doesn't quite work because it, it looks like one of those those. Uh, Oh gosh, what do you call them? Remnants that you would see sometimes on the page, you know, mm -hmm. notes to you know a particular one of the artist team. That's still what it looks like to me when I see it. So I it don't think you put work. the exclamation point on it if it was that right. Though. <laughs> right. It's just it's just it, it's unnecessary, is what it is. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Or it's a a minor joke that doesn't work. I would say one or the other. Right. So and then we have you know Hawkeye sends up a signal to everybody and he calls himself the Hawkeye kid. And then we, we go now it's, it's already kind of obvious at this point that the two gun kid is the, the focal point of the Western heroes. Right. So we have a close up of him and he's, you know, being introspective about what's going on. You know, feels like he's met gods. Uh, Maybe now would be a good time to talk about 
your thing. Actually, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, sure. that's a perfect time for you to, to talk about the different Western heroes and what you came up with. Sure. So the first one that we met in the story, um, you know, just by the, the nature of the fact that he's the one that speaks on the on the opening splash page, that's the Rawhide Kid. And the Rawhide Kid first appeared. And this is where I thought this was really interesting, is that there's two of these characters that their first appearances made me scratch my head. So the first appearance of the Rawhide Kid is actually in Rawhide Kid number 17 in 1960. And I went, huh? Number 17, so what What the hell were the first 16 issues? So I went back to look at that thinking that it must have been some other title, as we've seen with other characters like, say, you know, the Hulk or Captain America or, or some of these other characters that started in one book, like Tales of Suspense, for example, and then it became their title. I thought, well, Rawhide Kid must have started in some title that became Rawhide Kid with number 17. Nope. There were 16 issues of the Rawhide Kid before Rawhide Kid premiered. So what were the first 16 issues? It was a different Rawhide Kid. So <laughs> this is actually a new Rawhide Kid. So this uh, character's story is uh, his parents killed in a Cheyenne raid. Infant Johnny Clay was found and raised by Ben Bart, a Texas Ranger, and taught the way of the gun when his quote-unquote Uncle Ben was gunned down in cold blood, young Johnny pursued and caught his killers. Vowing to uphold his surrogate father's legacy of seeking justice in the West, Johnny Bart took the name of the town in which his gunfighting career began and became uh, known forever as the Rawhide Kid. So that's his his origin in a nutshell. Um, he is wait, a minute, one... wait, 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 wait a minute. He had an Uncle Ben that was shot too? Yep, exactly. Yep. Well, that's, that that's doesn't what I thought well was probably my... the most interesting thing. Hmm? That doesn't bode well for my son, whose name is Ben. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he, um, well, you know, tell your daughters not to have any kids so that he's I never guess. their uncle. Of the five Western heroes in this story that we're looking at, he is one of two uh, whose ultimate fate we do not yet know. Um, three of them we actually do, um, including the next one. So Two-Gun, who, as you say, is really kind of the focus uh, Western character in this saga um two gun first appeared in two gun kid number 60 in 1962 which was another one of these head scratching huh so what were the first 59 issues of two gun kid the first 59 issues were two gun kid and in this particular instance what it seems to be is that the first 59 issues were a two gun kid who was essentially um, an inspiration for this two-gun kid. So if you remember in The Flash, when the Silver Age Flash debuted, he used to read the comic book adventures of Jay Garrick and kind of took inspiration from that character. It's almost the same thing here, is that the two-gun kid that was in the first 59 issues of Two-Gun Kid was a, um, what do they call it? Uh, uh, not pulp, but... Um, yeah, I guess like a pulp character. You know, the 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 books that they would put out about West. I, the, there was a term for that. I'm blanking on, but you know how they would write the the fictional, um, you know, adventures of of Western folk heroes back during that time, and they'd really play them up and kind of exaggerate them. Mm-hmm. That's Tall essentially tales? what what's that? Tall tales. Yeah, well, but but there was a name for the type of book 
that they would publish, and I'm, I'm blanking on what it was called, but it was shit. <laughs> but it was like pulp, uh, pulp style adventures. But they did this with with real life uh, Western people as well. That that they would kind of exaggerate their tales and make them larger than life kind of thing. And that's essentially what they did with this. But anyway, that was where this two two gun kid took some of his inspiration. Um, but anyway, his uh, his origin tale is uh, after settling in post Civil War Tombstone, Texas. Harvard-educated lawyer Matt Hawk one day came to the aid of an elderly man being harassed by a gang. The old man turned out to be legendary gunfighter Ben Dancer, who, grateful for Matt's help, volunteered to train him as a gunfighter. Matt eventually became Dancer's superior as a gunfighter, horseman, and unarmed combatant. Encouraged by Dancer to conceal his newfound talents lest he become a target for those looking to make a name for themselves, as Dancer had, Matt created a masked identity for himself as the Two-Gun Kid, an identity he would assume whenever he found it necessary to use his fighting skills in the cause of justice. Um, you know, more, I, more, I heard that Ben Dancer was kind of short, and he was a dancer for money. <laughs> oh, sorry. And he would do what? Never mind. I'll just let that I I won't sing it because I know you don't like that song. <laughs> so... <laughs> We'll oh, wait, no, to I totally this. screwed that up. It wasn't a, I was a private dancer. Oh, wait, never mind. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. We'll Moving on. back to this character after we finish up with this storyline in the next issue because there's more about this character. We, we This is one of the characters we actually do know uh, of his final fate. Uh, also, the other characters, real quick, uh, I didn't go quite as in-depth with these other characters because, frankly, they didn't have as much to do with this story and aren't quite as interesting. But uh, Kid Cult actually appeared in Kid Cult number one, 1948. So um, of these characters, he's the oldest one uh, as far as how long he's been around. Um, Blaine Colt's origins are conflicted and seem to agree only on the point that he rode out of town on his horse called Steel, a wanted outlaw for a crime he may not have committed and that his reputation earned him the name Kid Colt. So that's really all you really need to know about this character is that he's an outlaw uh, wanted for a crime. Again, he may or may not have committed. Um, again, he's a character that we do know his final fate. Uh, next is the Ringo Kid, who appeared in Ringo Kid Western number one in 1954. Uh, we don't. This character never even got a name. Uh, the man who became known as the Ringo Kid was the son of a white settler and a Comanche princess who grew up tutored by his father, but learned hunting, fishing. Uh, excuse me, hunting, fighting rather, and survival skills from the Comanche people. The young boy uh, also became proficient in shooting six guns and came to enjoy the ringing sound that was produced when he practiced his aim with bottles, earning him the nickname The Ringo Kid. And that's really all there was on that character. And lastly, Knight Rider. Uh, this guy's pretty interesting. He appeared in Western, uh, first appeared in Western Gunfighters Volume 2, Number 7 in 1972. Uh, he was actually uh, Federal Marshal Lincoln Slade was his real name. And he assumed the identity of the mysterious Western hero after his older brother, Carter, uh, who was the first Knight Rider, uh, also variously known as the Ghost Rider, died saving his life. So he basically adopted uh, the identity to carry on his brother's legacy. And he is another character um, that we do know the final fate of. And actually, his final fate happened in 
an issue of the Avengers, which uh, we'll talk about all that. As I say, after we wrap up this saga, um, we'll just have like kind of a an epilogue on where uh, what happened to some of these characters. I thought the Knight Rider was Michael Long. <laughs> <laughs> See, you should have read that like Richard Basehart. Who's Richard Basehart? Was that the voice of Kit? That was the uh, he. W- no, 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 no. That was William Daniels. Richard Basehart was the guy that did the voiceover in the beginning and was the. Uh, he was in like the first episode. Um, he was the uh, the guy who the the father of Michael Knight, who was supposedly killed. Uh, I mean, he was in like the first. He was the guy. Wasn't he in LA Knight. No. Well, I don't know if he. No, he was on Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Was Admiral Nelson? But he was I in prob- the first. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't admit this because I'm going to lose all respect from. Uh, he was from in the Andy Island of Dr. Moreau. But I never thought a hell of a lot of Knight Rider, to be honest with you. How could you I, dislike I, anything with the Huff in it? I didn't say I disliked <laughs> it. I just, I don't know. It just wasn't my bag. Where that show lost me was there was an episode where. <laughs> it's episode jumped- one in the first minute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It probably was, but there was an episode where where he actually jumped Kit over a, it was like a factory smokestack, and they came down, and you could see how hard the car hit. And then the next shot was Michael, you know, inside the car, driving away, like slicking back his hair, going, that was really close, Kit. And I'm thinking, no, 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 you're paced, dude. You would be mush inside that car. Oh, come on. They did that in the Dukes of Hazzard all the time, too. Another one of Andy's shows. Another scientifically accurate show. Suspension yeah. of disbelief. Uh, yeah. Or that suspension. Is, that is reality. Suspension <laughs> of suspension on the I car. I can only suspend that so far. <laughs> so, back to our story. <laughs> Thanks, actually. Thank you for the uh, synopsis of their backgrounds, though, because that was good. I don't want to short, uh, short that. I thought it was pretty cool. So, uh... Immortus takes a bullet right by him that misses him. What? <laughs> That's not Immortus. Oh. Okay, like, so what? not Immortus takes a bullet right by him. <laughs> but I, I think it may have hit Moondragon's headdress and she didn't even notice. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Bald head. So this, this also seems very cinematic to me. And this is something that I'm going to keep seeing throughout the... Uh, I think throughout this this little bit of a run here that we're covering, not just necessarily this issue, but even beyond it, the whole train robbery scene with the uh, the, the bandits uh, riding their horses up along the side of the train and then dismounting the horse to get onto the engine, and then they see uh, Fred Ziffel is one of the conductors, <laughs> for, and that's a callback from a long time ago, if anybody who remembers who Fred Ziffel is. Uh, just to, to let you know, you'd have to go to Green Acres to see that. Yep. Uh, and when he gets in, well, into Arnold the engine... Well, is the name of the pig, but... Yeah, Fred is the owner, the father. Oh, okay. the Whatever okay. you want to call him. Uh, yeah, because it's not the pig, Bill. <laughs> yeah, but that was Arnold. <laughs> yes, but I'm not saying that the pig was on the train. Well, we don't know. We didn't see all the people in the in, in the car. And uh, Rohide Kid is is getting his his nice outfit all dirty because he's laying in the coal bed to uh, to to catch the bandit unawares. He has a dark shot. outfit anyway. He says how how long it been you pull cat since Jasper Junction? I reckon. So they're they're familiar with each other, him and the uh, bandit. Too bad you didn't see me jump in at the last pass. And now we have. Go on from that page. We have some. Uh, see, we we have 
oddly angled panels, but I think they do create a sense of movement and action. So I think I think they're oddly oddly shaped with a purpose, as opposed to a lot of times where you saw people do this and it was like, well, Neil Adams does it, so I'm going to do it too. Uh, at least in my opinion, that's what it felt like in a lot of them. So in this one, I, th- I feel like we're, we're getting a sense of movement from it, and we have uh, the other bandits and Kid Cult Outlaws coming up on one of them, and his horse is faster than that guy's horse, and he dives and takes that guy out. Meanwhile, Hawkeye mounts the train, and he climbs to the roof where he faces off against uh, one of the bandits. You guys still with me? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I, thought I, I love that for shot second. of Hawkeye leaping onto the, the train. That is awesome. That I think I think this whole shot. page is awesome. I I think the the thought that went into yeah I, I think creating an action scene like this on a static page is not easy to do. And I, I think Perez really did a good job of picking the angles to go from and you know what shot to what shot to what shot. It almost feels like directing a movie in right. the way that he did it. Uh, so I, I I think this is very well thought out. I don't know, you know, this this is back in the days of the Marvel method, and anybody who's not familiar with the Marvel method is the writer of the story would kind of give the artist a brief dis- description of what the story was going to be, you know, maybe like a, a two-page typed out plot. This is the story. And the artist would then take that and and run with it, and then the it would he'd give the pages back to the writer who would then possibly have them change a couple of things but more often than that i think not uh and then they would just add the dialogue balloons so if steve Englehart just said we're gonna have a you know a train robbing scene here where you know hawkeye mounts the roof of the uh train and he fight, faces off against somebody then you got to give total total props to george perez for drawing it in a way where it really feels kinetic and actiony and realistic or at least realistic you know from a movie sense of, of perspective but you know, I don't know if maybe Englehart gave him a little bit more on this because this is pretty complex. What's going on here? Right. So I, I just think this is this is whether it's a one man or a two man show to 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 get these layouts the way they are. It's just I think it's a masterful job. Mm-hmm. I am giving away so much of my rating already. So do you think Kid Colt's horse uh, Steel has more horsepower? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> or, or perhaps the villain, the uh, bandits one, is ready for the glue factory. You mean Sarah Jane? Come on, Sarah Jane. Yeah, that's right, Sarah Jane. It's <laughs> a pretty nice name you got for your horse. I think that guy broke his spine trying to turn around and shoot in a saddle. He wanted to. He wanted to marry his horse, but he couldn't find the bridal suite. <laughs> that's. I just remember that. That was on a, a like. I don't know if it was on Saturday Night Live or some something, you know, might have just been a joke commercial or something, but it was uh, making fun of country and western songs, and that was the song. I want to marry my horse, but I can't find the bridal suite. Anyway. <laughs> I'm stupid. <laughs> it's, it's really stupid, but it's like 40 years ago, and I still remember it, so. Oh, God. It's stupid, but memorable. So on the next page, you know, Kid Colt just kind of whoops the guy in fisticuffs another one tries to escape into a cave where the night rider is there uh and and it's apparently wolverine that's trying to escape oh no wolverine is facing hawkeye at the top of the train i'm glad you thought that too because i was just like look it's it's logan it's wolverine but it's but it's before wolverine i think it's before wolverine existed Mm, 75 if he he did exist i don't think he existed without a mask yet oh yeah very true. I like 
I like the shot of his foot and the and the fingers behind him. Yes. Where uh Yeah, he he's he's Ringo is sneaking up on him. Yeah, he's facing off against Hawkeye with his back to the uh the break in between cars of the train mm-hmm. and we get a close up of his foot with the uh spur on it and you just see at the edge of the car three fingers as Ringo Kid is climbing up from in between the two cars. And since I already got my gun pointed at your liver <laughs> what are you, a doctor? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not just aiming at your chest or anything. I'm aiming at your liver. I was, I was trying for the gallbladder, but the liver will do. I'm going to shoot out your vertebra. <laughs> Somewhere between the L5. Oh, <laughs> so then, then he, uh, Ringo comes up behind him and whacks him in the head again. Now, no, no, no. He gets him with a club. A club. K-L-U-B. Because yeah, he hits him with the butt of his gun. Now. Ow. Are we are we at the point here where we feel like it's definitely Ringo Kid, or is it possible that was somebody else turned yeah. into Ringo Kid? Well, I don't. Well, who, else, ones, who else could it be though? Could be Kid Colt Outlaw. No, he already fought against the other guy. So where's Rawhide Kid during all of this? Where's two guns? Rawhide's holding oh. his gun on the on the guy that tried to get the engineer to to. That's right. Okay, and where's two gun? Two guns riding. Um... He's a couple. He's like the next panel down. Yeah, we're, we're coming up on him. So okay. So at this point, where if if they had omitted Ringo Kid at this point, trying to recreate history in our own minds, uh, we're thinking that at this point they had at least kind of concluded, yeah, yeah, he's in. But actually, I guess we had concluded that at the panel with the six riders. Right. right? That that's the point. If if they had unintentionally omitted him, that's the point where they added him in. Well, it's it's very possible too that the that the writer wrote a longer story in which he was recruited later or something like that, and then had to shorten it or something. Yeah, but I think I think by this point it definitely has to be Ringo because, as you say, all the other Western heroes are accounted for, but also the dialogue that is specifically Ringo's dialogue because he says my mother was an Indian. That's why he hit the guy as hard as he did because he, it pissed him off the comment that the guy made. Right. You know, he had he had used the word Indian as a uh, as an insult. A, as an insult, yeah. As a pejorative. Let's get all sophisticated yeah, in the word our I was language. For. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's kind of a cool cool uh, character moment that they threw in there and it's really fast but it, it gives you uh, you know a little bit of a background on him that you might not otherwise have known. Well, you definitely wouldn't have otherwise known unless you read his books. So right. I think that's kind of cool. Now, at this point, though, Thor and uh, Moondragon and Not Immortus are just kind of hanging out on the train. Yeah, and Moondragon is, uh, <laughs> it's like she's Captain Obvious. Like, what's the purpose I, of their being there, frankly? Back up, in case things go wrong. Oh, that doesn't seem like a great plan. <laughs> in case everybody else failed. Let's, and let's take our killed. most powerful member, and we'll just sit him, you sit in the chair. The rest of us will risk our lives climbing onto a moving train. <laughs> and then, then we cut to, uh, I guess, a canyon where uh, Rawhide Kid is chasing out. Uh, not Rawhide Kid, Two Gun Kid is chasing after uh, one of the owls. Chavo Juarez. 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 Just that one gun he left. Chavo Juarez. He's my quarry. And his horse rears up. Which is kind of cool. No thunder. We've explored. We've explored that canyon. This canyon before, big fella. 
All right, can I just say that that's one of those tropes of Western comics that makes me nuts is where the Western hero knows every nook and cranny of the Old West. That makes me crazy. Yeah, but this this is his town, right? Well, that's true. Okay, yes, you're right. In, I mean, I, in this I agree particular with case, you. I'll forgive it. You're right, because this is Tombstone. This is his town. You're, you're if, right. If it was any of the other characters and not the two-gun kid, then you'd be right on the money with it. And you're not totally wrong right. anyway. <laughs> but, but at least we can kind of forgive it in this instance. But he, cl- he climbs up higher, you know, cuts him off at the pass, effectively, and then uh, dives down from... Uh, I, I picture Michael Keaton in Night Shift... Or or or, uh, or even the Hulk in Thor Ragnarok, where he dives down on him and then just lands on the ground. I picture Kirk from Star Trek Three, where he where he knocks the Klingon off that little cliff and then dives down. Ah! He dives down. The problem with this though is that if if the guy rather than freeze and go Madre de Dios, if he had just gone yeah and spurred that horse forward, the two gun would have landed flat on his face and been dead. Because, I mean, look at that. How how high is that? That's got to be, what, 20, 30 feet? As drawn, I would say 30 feet, yeah. Yeah. Well, see, the original plan was he was going to jump off of there with the horse, but the horse was like, <laughs> actually, you? actually, they got to the edge of the cliff, and the horse stopped short, and he was thrown. The horse threw him. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so now, I, you know, okay, let's, let's go from the other perspective on this. I dive onto one of you from 30 feet above. First of all, I'm still probably breaking bones in my body, but I'm killing you. Well, it says right here, the impact of the leap nearly kills both men on the spot. Okay, but then he's still got strength enough to beat the holy hell out of Juarez. And again, not a good it plan. Is cool. I mean, it's di- you know, visual- visually, it's it's incredibly dynamic and everything. It's just when you examine it too closely, you're like, yeah, they'd be dead. Yeah, why don't you just, why don't you just cut him off with the pass and shoot him? Um, your name is Two Gun, so shoot him. Yes, from from the top of the cliff, just shoot him in the head. <laughs> Done. Shoot him in the knees, whatever. But yeah, I mean, is it necessary to actually leap off the off the cliff at the guy? Because yeah, yeah. yeah, that could have gone very badly. Yep. And so once that's done, Hawkeye sets off his uh, his arrow, which is a signal to Thor, and then. Uh, Actually, just before it goes off, Moondragon says, yes, it's time to explode, and the, and the arrow goes off, which is cool, and Thor says, one day thou must explain how it is, how thou shouldst know so such things, Moondragon, for the moment, however, tis enough to once more take to the heavens. I think that's kind of a cool shot, too, though, to have Thor using the hammer to fly in that outfit. Oh, yeah. And he catches yeah, not Immortus that. by surprise. I love that shot. Except he's got Rob Liefeld feet. He does. Yeah, his, 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 perspective, his perspective on the feet is a little exaggerated, I think. I agree with you. And does Moondragon, does, what, was, did she have like a fake mane of blonde hair coming out of that hat? What, what is that? I thought that was like feathers and stuff. I don't know. Oh, I just thought that was yeah. frilly, right. frilly hat right. stuff, I thought. Frilly hat, yeah. I, I got you. I got you, yeah. So Hawkeye I agree is, with that. Hawk, Hawkeye is facing off against the now-defeated bandits and says, Listen up, hard guys. One of you is going <laughs> to tell us <laughs> oh, what geez. the setup was for delivering your booty to your blue-beaked boss. Don't kid yourselves. You're not... What is it? Don't, don't, don't kid, kid yourselves. Oh, you're not. Meaning, don't kid yourselves that you're not going to tell me okay. what I want to know. And then me and a few of the boys are going to begin the assault on Castle Kang. Dun-dun-dun. Yeah, but you could just change one word. 
Well, you could change Castle Kang to that ass, and this whole speech takes on a whole so new connotation. Ass. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the issue. Now, we're two oh, wait, issues in. Go back and do the Marvel uh, ad? Oh, no. I guess not. The Incredible Hulk and the Twins of Evil? Up to you guys. I'll, uh, I'll do the voice of Wendigo. Uh, he doesn't even get a voice. Oops. <laughs> I was, I just, just, just to go on this ad, it's uh, Abomination and uh, is fighting Hulk to a standstill. Wendigo jumps in and they knock him out. The Hulk's comment just before Wendigo jumps in is, Hulk only wanted to fight fair. <laughs> I just, I just always found that amusing. And they knock him out, but he's got like whatever this like white smoke. I mean, was did did they put the Hulk's face out on a cigar? This <laughs> <laughs> like what is that stuff coming from his face? And Hulk is you know keep and, away. And just to Hulk, finish the thought, like two people. kids come along and they give him a hostess fruit pie, which rejuvenates him, and he decides to just deforest the area. Well, <laughs> Optimus is like. I'm glad we had Hostess fruit pies to share with the Hulk. He ate them all. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Hulk happy now. Now Hulk could take care of unfinished business. And they played Bachman Turner Overdrive as he smashed to the forest. <laughs> Taking Take care of business. Take care of business. <laughs> Hulk shit and Hulk know how toilet paper. We're bunny. <laughs> Does shit stick to your fur? No? Good. <laughs> he tracks down Wendigo for that. <laughs> <laughs> When'd I go? When'd I go? Oh. I'll go. All right. So, ratings. I'm going I'm to go first because I'm going to be really fast in this. I think the cover is effective, but I don't think it's one of the greatest renderings of what it shows. I think it's a little scratchier than it needs to be. I think it's a little less detailed than it needs to be. Uh, so although I really like the scene, I'm just going to give it a B because I think it could have been so much stronger than it is. Uh, story and artwork, I'm giving both an A because I just think it's great. I'm done. I'm giving the book an A overall, despite the fact that I think the cover is a B. You want to go, Scott? Yeah, I'll go. Um, I think I'd agree a B on the on the cover. I like everything about this cover except Moon Dragon and Iron Man. Moon Dragon looks like a color form that was just kind of stuck on there as an afterthought, and then Iron Man just looks freaking ridiculous. If his mask looked different, if if Wait he just had like a what? Iron Man's not even in that scene. He's not even in the book. Yeah, no, well, he's, no, he's in the book. He's in the uh, he's in current day though. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, in the in the I'm, I'm in in the western. Yeah. I didn't I didn't yeah. catch that until now. Yeah, yeah, I didn't either until you pointed that out. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, he's not part of the western setup. Um, but yeah, everything else about the cover I really like. I think uh, the I think the mallet portion of Mjolnir is is well, actually, all of Mjolnir is really small. Um, it just it's not properly proportioned. Are you saying to, Thor has a small hammer? Yeah, he does. <laughs> but yeah, everything else about it I really like. You know, the 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 western portion of it I think looks really cool and it's really dynamic and it's neat to see, you know, all these characters together and everything. I have no idea if this is their first time teaming up or what, but uh just to see them all together like that's pretty cool. So, yeah, it it it's dynamic for like the upper half of the cover. It's the lower half where I have all the issues with it really. Um 
So yeah, I think uh, I think B is a is a good grade on that. Interior on this um, story wise, I love the story. I think the story is fantastic. I, I think this is really really good stuff. It's very compelling. Um, I really like you know the 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 combination of the superheroics with the western. And I like that everybody gets a moment to shine and all that sort of thing. So it's a really well-told, well-balanced story that's just a heck of a lot of fun. It has some good humor and all that sort of thing. So it's everything I'd be looking for in, in comics of this type. So you know, I, I'll actually say an A-plus on the story because I really like this one. It's very engaging. Actually, I'll, I'll bump that back to, uh, to just an A because uh, of that just minor complaint that Immortus just disappears without any comment or reference or anything. Um, that is one thing that uh, that I think I don't know if it was a mistake or if it's purposeful or what, but just the fact that he just kind of disappears and, and <laughs> nothing's ever said about it is is kind of weird. I almost wonder if you know did uh, Engelhart lose track of that particular character, which I would expect would be something that could really easily happen with a story this big with this many characters. It, it would be easy to lose track of people. Which well, may very well be what happened with uh, with the Ringo kid. Well, let's look at it this way: What would Immortus really have done? They sidelined Thor and Moondragon sitting on a train. Well, that's so that's, you right. just would have had yeah. one more person just sitting on a train. You'd have well, one more person to not have anything Paul's to do. point, though, that he, but he, but you thought that that guy with the monocle was him. Yep. And so what would it have hurt for him to a- actually have been Kang or uh, Immortus rather so that you could keep track of him? So I, you know, again, I, I, I don't I don't know. I, I, it just it really gives me the impression that uh, that either something's going on that didn't quite play out right or or that he literally did just kind of lose track of the character. But just to have him disappear with with no mention or anything just seems odd to me but it's a minor complaint but it's enough for me to to bump it back just slightly on the story for that reason um and then the artwork the artwork's a tough one because i love the art in this um but i have real issues with the inking on it um i do think that for the most part this is one of the better um coletta ink jobs that i've seen but i can't help but look at this and see the potential of how much more awesome it could have been by somebody who who had really, you know, greatly complimented um, what Perez was going for here, because I, I, you know, as as good as the inking is here, I don't feel like it necessarily complements Perez either. Um, I, I think in a lot of ways it, it, it's kind of reining him back just a little bit. But that said, I really do enjoy this a lot. I think it is uh, some really really good stuff. Um, so I think I would say a, an A minus on the art because it's it's so great and you can definitely see Perez shining through here. But he's still earning his chops. There's still there's still some wonkiness here and there because this is very early uh, Perez and everything. But for the most part, it's really good and there's a lot. I mean, a lot of panels in this that I love. Um, too many to go through and, and name them all, but there's just so much of this uh, that I, I of this issue that I really enjoy. Sometimes it's just a panel here or there. Sometimes it's an entire page, like that page uh, that we mentioned before. I think it was page 17. Yeah, page 17 of the setup of stopping the train, uh, where it's framed with the six uh, guys mm-hmm. on horseback. I just that's great. I love that. 
Yeah. And I, 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 I love the cinematic nature of it. I love when the actual heist goes down and just the way that uh, page 23, the way, the way that that page is laid out, it feels very cinematic. If you can actually, it, it actually feels like it's moving, like there's action. And as you say, Paul, that is so tough to pull off in a static image, you know, the illusion of movement and action. And Perez is a master of that. It's really, really well done. So yeah, really great stuff. Um, so overall grade, I would say, uh, I'll say an A. Yeah. I, I think as an overall package, I think this is an A book. I think it's fantastic. Really, really good issue. Dr. Beal? Uh, not to, I'm, I'm going to be brief cause I'll just be treading over the same things we've already said that, um, so the cover, yeah, the covers, man, uh, like a B plus, uh, the interior story and art, those are going to be A's. So we're. We're looking at an A book. I mean, yeah, there's a couple little things here and there that are off, but but nothing major. And some of that could be chalked up to the inking. I mean, next with the next issue, I think we're going to see a step up with the inking, at least in my opinion. So, yeah, I, I, I personally I didn't think the inking was that bad in this it's, issue. It's not bad, uh, but you know, I, I I like I said, I think there's a possibility that there's a few backgrounds that were shortcutted. But I don't think any of the parts that he actually did ink look bad to me. So I'm 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 still comf- very comfortable with an A on this overall. <laughs> Excuse me. Gets an A for Avengers. <laughs> That's right. It gets an A for D-Man. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that'll be it for Avengers 142. Uh, come on back with us next time around for 143. I think this series, this this little run that we're doing now, is making up for. Uh, the Celestial Madonna for Mr. Scott. Yes. <laughs> See you all next time. Bye. Oh, guys, I got to go because it's raining. <laughs> we got to go stop it or something? <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Nah, that sucks.